right. So like I said, we're in 1 Samuel again. And I, I, threatened, I threatened Cindy this morning that I wanted to get a, uh, a big old dreadlock wig with some big dreadlocks on it. Because whatever you picture, when you think of Samuel, remember there was a vow made that he would never get his hair cut. So he's this little Jewish kid with lifelong, lifelong locks of hair, right? I don't know if that I don't know if that shows up in the Sunday school coloring books or not. I hope it does. That would be really unusual. But so this week we ended last week with Eli getting this warning. And it says, a man of God showed up. A man of God showed up and told Eli, your sons are doing all this terrible stuff. Everybody in Israel knows about it. They're all talking about it. And I'm going to wipe out your whole ancestral line from the priesthood. God is so mad at at the the religious hypocrisy and just the evil of Eli's family. God even says, I'm going to wipe out everybody in the whole line except for one person so that one person can just look on it and cry. And then I'm going to wipe them out. It's like, wow. God, God takes this stuff really, really serious, right? So that all that said was a man of God came and said that to Eli. And then the guy, we don't know who it is, and he never shows up again, and that's it. So 1 Samuel chapter 3 takes us back to Samuel himself. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There were no frequent visions. So remember, Samuel got dropped off when he was about maybe four, maybe three or four. He was a little kid. And that said that every year... His mom would bring him a, a new change of clothes. They didn't have 15 outfits, right? They didn't have laundromats. They pretty much wore their clothes and wore them and wore the, that outfit on and on and on. And so as he's growing, she's brought him multiple outfits. We still don't know how old he is. We don't have a measure. Um, we can guess from other context clues That, okay, so if he got dropped off when he was three, maybe four or five years have passed. So that would put him at eight or nine or ten. I mean, he's still a little kid, right? And he is ministering to the Lord. So he's learning how to do these things. So he's old enough to do something in the temple, in the tabernacle, some of the priestly duties. He might not be doing, you know, sacrificing cows and stuff like that. But he knows how to do some kind of service in that in that temple. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. So remember, this is the this is in the time of the judges, the time of the book of judges. So remember when we went through judges, it was like nothing would happen in Israel religious from God for 40 years or 50 years or 70 years. And then God would speak to Gideon. 
And Gideon would do all these great things, and he would rule and judge Israel for 40 years, and then he would die. They would all be given over to idolatry and, and whatnot. And another 50 years would go by, and then up, God would raise up um, Deborah, and she was a judge, and she judged Israel for 40 years. And then Deborah dies, and then there's no judge in Israel for 50 years or 70 years again. So this is one of those segments that nobody's heard anything from God. They're just doing the priestly thing. They're trying to follow the law, but remember, they're not doing very good because in Judges it says there's no king in Israel. Everybody did what they pleased. So it's kind of anarchy. But there are some people that are still trying to be true to Yahweh. And they're still trying to seek Him. So Eli, at that time Eli, whose eyesight had begun to go dim so he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So remember, this is not the tabernacle in the wilderness. This is also not the temple that Solomon would build. Solomon wouldn't be around for years, right? So this is sort of a thing at Shiloh that they've built that kind of holds the Ark of the Covenant and it might resemble the tabernacle a little with the different rooms and the Holy of Holies, but not exactly. And somewhere in there, they have a bunch of apartments and Samuel has his little bedroom and Eli has his, probably with his wife. And then down here is another. So when it says he was sleeping where the Ark of the Covenant was, he's not sleeping in the Holy of Holies. You're only allowed in the Holy... There's only one guy allowed in the Holy of Holies once a year, one day, with a whole lot of sacrifice. So he's sleeping... It's kind of like, where do you go to church? I go to church at Westminster where the daycare is. We're not having church where the daycare is, right? But it's on the same thing. So when Samuel lays down to sleep where the Ark of the Covenant is, it's just general. It's not in the same room. We would only know that if we're looking at other scriptures, right? This is why it's so important to use the Bible to interpret itself. Now notice that it says Eli's eyesight was going dim. So in the Bible, so this really happened. Eli really was losing his eyesight. But when they retell a story, they might draw upon some detail that's going to help you to see something else that's going on too. So his eyesight was growing dim. Well, what else has been happening with Eli? His sons are doing all this evil and he does not see it to stop it. He's been told about it. He knows about it. He says, shame on you guys. Stop doing that. And then he lets them keep doing it. And so there's this physical thing that's going on with Eli that's also representing something spiritual with him. That's why they draw attention to that. So the lamp has not gone out. It's middle of the night. Verse 4, the Lord calls to Samuel. Whoa. So this hasn't happened yet. Uh, the last time this kind of thing happened in the Bible was Adam and Eve. When God called out to Adam. Adam, where are you? When, after they had sinned and they were hiding. This is um, 
This is almost like Jacob and Abraham level stuff where God is calling out and he is calling out to Samuel. And Samuel doesn't know what that is. He goes, he goes, Eli says, here I am, you called me. Eli says, I didn't call you, kid, go back to bed. If you've ever had a 10-year-old come to your bed in the middle of the night, you know exactly how Eli said this, right? I didn't call your kid to go back to bed. It's probably Eli. This happens three times. So probably first and second time, Eli is like, you crazy kid, go back to bed. You already had a drink of water. Right? You guys totally know this, right? You know how exactly how this sounds. The third time, listen to what it says. It says in verse uh, 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So this phrase, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, is the same phrase they use when they describe the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, that they didn't know the Lord. But remember, Hophni and Phinehas didn't know the Lord because they were kissing on the ladies that worked at the church and stealing everybody's food. And there's one little extra word in here about Samuel. Yet. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The Lord was about to be revealed to Samuel. Hophni and Phinehas, those guys didn't know the Lord and they weren't going to. There was no yet on their path. Isn't that the scariest thing in the world? And the word of the Lord hadn't been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again the third time. He rose, went to Eli. He said, here I am. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Okay, so imagine if you're Eli. I'm not not in the camp that thinks that Eli was wicked. I think Eli was just passive. He was just passive and unmotivated, okay? So he was a priest, and he had these sons that were evil and wicked, and ah, what can I do about that? I just, I can't stop it. Passive. But when he is still serving, because he did the blessing on Hannah, and Hannah had all those babies. Uh, he did the, the first blessing on Hannah, where may God grant you what you've asked, and Samuel is born, right? So God is still talking to him and working through him, even though God's rejected his whole family line. So Eli realizes the Lord must be speaking. This is really what I want. This is really deep down. I want to hear the Lord speak. And if he's not going to speak to me, maybe he'll speak to Samuel. So he says, go lay down. And the next time somebody calls your name, sit up and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. He's telling Samuel, here is how to listen to the Lord. So even though Eli is cursed and his whole family line is cursed, Samuel can still learn from him how to listen to the Lord. Isn't that exciting? Like that gives me a little bit of hope whenever there's a big tabloid that such and such awesome pastor of awesomeness fell because they did something really dumb. 
I'm like, that's terrible, but I've still learned from that guy. And the Lord has still worked through that guy, and I, I still get a lot of hope from that. So he does it. So can you imagine Samuel? Let's say he's 10. And he goes back to his bed, and he's like, okay, the Lord is speaking to me. I mean, the Lord, the one that we're always cutting up all these sheep for, and the one that we're always reciting all these prayers to, is the one that's speaking to me? Do you think he went back to sleep? I don't know. So he goes back to his bed, and he hears, just like the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel, at which the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. That's God's opening words to Samuel. Samuel, I'm about ready to do something that when people hear about this, everybody is going to go nuts. Like, I have such good news. that There's been times with Cindy, bad news and good news, where I'll text her. She'll be out somewhere, and I'll say, pull over when you get the chance and call me. And she knows that is... A level, I've got A level news that she needs to pull over in the car. We're not going to talk while she's driving because this is a big deal, good or bad, right? God says to Samuel, Samuel, I'm getting ready to do something that everybody in the whole nation is going to love to hear about. Imagine if you're 10. I know that's not hard for some of you. If, if God spoke and said, I'm about ready to do something that's so exciting, everybody in the world is going to want to hear about it. Isn't that just like God? I mean, that's total 10-year-old excitement language, isn't it? On that day, I'm going to fulfill against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house. All right, hold on. I got, I'll keep reading, then we'll talk. From the beginning to end. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So I read this really great line this week that before we read the Bible to see what it says about us, we should read the Bible to see what it says about God. When the man of God came to Eli and told Eli, and he said, your sons are doing wicked, they're stealing all this food, they're smooching on the ladies that work at the temple, all this stuff. He gave it to it at Eli's level, right? Little 10-year-old Samuel, he doesn't get all of that PG-13 rated R level stuff. He gets a 10-year-old level. I'm going to punish Eli. His sons are blaspheming. And I've already told him. So God says, Samuel, I'm going to do to Eli what Eli knows I already told him about. And his sons are blaspheming and he's going to be punished. 
So Samuel, in his 10-year-old language mind, knows what this means. He's seen, the ex, he's seen Hophni and Phinehas and the lifestyle they have. We don't know how he felt about it, but God told him that they were blaspheming. And he, he knows at what level that is. He knows that Eli has already been told something by God. And all he's doing is saying to Eli, God said he's going to do what he told you he's going to do. And that, that's enough. Samuel lay until morning. Verse 15. Samuel did not go back to sleep. Just think that through. He has heard God's voice. God has spoken to him. It's something that everybody in Israel is excited to hear. And it's judgment on Eli. That's terrible, right? Well, the other terrible thing is that if Samuel, let's say Samuel has lived here for six years, he's grown, grown close to all these guys. And he's been a part of their life and a part of their family and a part of their way of life of, of serving in the temple. And God just said, I'm going to bring judgment on all of it. That's, that's scary, right? And you might think, He's going to be so scared, he's going to hold that in. And he's not going to tell anybody. He's going to keep it a secret. This is where just the way God works in people is so perfect. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell his vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, here I am. Eli said, what is it that he told you? What did God tell you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more, if also you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So now you've got Eli, the high priest, saying, a curse on you. May every bad thing you heard about happen to you if you don't tell me everything God said. So now you got, okay, Samuel now has this open, he's got to tell him everything, right? Because he doesn't want that to happen to him. What was Eli's big problem? Remember we talked about it last week. Eli would not talk straight to his sons. He loved, he loved the friendship of his sons more than he loved the righteousness of God. And so instead of telling his sons, you guys are fired from the priesthood and I never want to see you in God's temple again. He said, you guys should really quit doing that. Enjoy your day at work tomorrow. Versus Samuel who says, Eli, God told me that your sons are blaspheming him and that God is going to do every single thing he told you he would do. And the awesome thing about Samuel is he doesn't know what that is. We know what the details are from the man of God that he's going to wipe out his whole family line. He's going to leave one person left so they can cry about it and then he's going to kill them. Whoa. So this 10-year-old doesn't have to carry that burden. He's just carrying the burden of God's going to do what he said. Eli's reaction. Verse 18. So Samuel told him everything, hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. 
At this point, Eli has completely given up. Eli has no hope of repentance. He has no hope of changing anybody. He has completely given up on his destiny. And that's just a terrible place to be, guys. Right? Poor Eli. Like, as long as he is doing something, he can have hope in the Lord. So from there, Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Wait, I'll keep going. The Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Verses 19, 20, and 21. If you were watching this in a movie, would all be a montage of Samuel growing up. Everything that happens in chapter 4, 5, and 6 is going to happen within the next couple weeks. But this whole little verse 19, 20, and 21 covers years of time. So as Samuel grows up, the Lord continues to come to Shiloh and speak to him. And he speaks to Israel and he grows and and he kind of gets a, a reputation as being like Gideon, right? like Gideon or Deborah or Shamgar or any of those other awesome judges that did awesome things that the Lord speaks to him and he speaks to the nation. There's a big difference with Samuel though. So Abraham, should we go back? We'll go back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve begin creation, right? They are the first of the whole created world and God speaks to them. Abraham is the first of people trying to live for God in relationship with God. And Abraham starts that off and God speaks to Abraham. Then Jacob is the beginning of God speaking to tribes of people, a a nationality, a group of people, the Israelites, the Jewish people. And the 12 tribes of Jacob are how they get represented. Moses is the beginning of God speaking to a man to give a law. Here's a way of life. Here's the law to follow to establish your your government and your country and your land, this new promised land. And so God gives the law through Moses. Now Samuel is the first... Remember that guy that came and talked to Eli and said it was a man of God? It did not call him a prophet, did it? Because Samuel is the first of the prophets. It's with Samuel that God invents what a prophet will be. So remember I said we got we to gotta look at what the Bible says about God before we look at what it says about us? This is the time of the judges where everybody did their own thing. Nobody paid any attention to God. There's no king in the land. And in the midst of that, God would send somebody not to be a judge anymore. Samuel's not a judge. He's a prophet. And God's going to send somebody to regularly tell the people messages from God. This is what God says today. This is what God says today. 
And now this is what God says. And all of a sudden, God is communicating more than ever before to His whole people. When He was talking to Moses, He was only talking to Moses, right? And He would only talk to Moses. Moses would come down from the mountain and tell everybody everything. And it was all about the law. And then He'd go back up. Samuel, it's this life, ongoing lifestyle of we can go talk to God. Let's see what God has for Samuel to tell us as a nation. And he tells them all. So, what does that tell us about ourselves? This could have been Hophni and Phinehas. This could have been the sons of Eli. Just look at, look at these different guys. I'm not saying that this all happened because Samuel was so righteous and so holy and so awesome. But when they tell the story of Samuel, it all starts with these sons of Eli kind of to caution us and to warn us that there were these guys that were seeking after their own desires and they were seeking after their own satisfaction. And they were so, they were so drunk on satisfying their own desires. They were, they were so wallowing in the women and the, the best meat that they couldn't hear when God spoke. They couldn't hear it at all. And here's Samuel, who just, his parents made a vow, right? That they would never cut his hair. And he stuck with that. And he served in the Lord. And he ministered before the Lord. And as far as religion goes, he did whatever Eli said. And it wasn't until he was 10 that he ever even heard God speak. And because he had been doing it all and preparing himself that when God spoke, he could hear it and he could do it and he could act on it. So here's God, so merciful that he would speak even when none of his people are seeking after him. That God knows where to find somebody that will speak. That God would speak to Samuel on his 10-year-old level. I mean, just think if God would have said, I'm going to wipe out the whole family line of Eli, Samuel. That would terrify him, right? But that God loves him so much that he speaks to him like he's a 10-year-old. And he says, God knows, Eli knows what I'm going to do to him. You just tell him that God said, I'm going to do to you what I told you I was going to do to you. God cares about him so much to do that. And how awesome is it that God knows the difference between Samuel and Hophni and Phinehas? That God isn't just going to wipe them all out and say, Eli, everything you've done is garbage. I'm just going to destroy everything. He's like, no, you're doing okay with Samuel. We're going to keep him. And even though you're corrupt and I'm going to cut off your family line... I'm still here. I'm still working through the priesthood to raise up the first of the prophets. And so next week we're going to go into Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to veer off course of Samuel for a little bit and do some history. And it's really crazy and it's really fun and it's hilarious and it is probably rated PG. But kind of like Shrek. Was Shrek rated PG-13 or PG? It's kind of like Shrek. Humor-wise, and um, but as you go this week, 
just that, that whole concept of what does this say about God? What is this telling me? What is God's character? Will open up. It, well, I hope I hope it opens up a whole lot for you from the scriptures. Let's pray. Lord, you are so great. You are so good how you care for us and you love us so much. You are so good how you come to us at our level that you you are um, you just you're so understanding and you're so caring. And I praise you, Lord, for doing that, for helping us out every day, for encouraging us and speaking to us and, and carrying us along. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to to sleep close to your ark, to to be willing and, and ready to hear from you and to be able to act on the things that you say, because it's worth it. We love you, Lord. Amen.